0: Uh, oh. 10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Hello and welcome to Up Only TV. I'm Ledger. Once again, we're missing Kobe, but that's okay. We've got some excellent replacements. I'm sorry to the replacements for calling you replacements. We love you, and you know it. Before we get to it, let's get to talking about our partners. You know who it is. It's Blockfolio. Go to uponly.tv/blockfolio to check it out today. Make a trade directly from one asset to the other. It's easy. You can do it directly on your phone. You know uh, it's a good experience because it's made by the fine folks from FTX. Thank you to Blockfolio for being our partner. Once again, go to uponly.tv/blockfolio. Make your first trade today. Capitulate if you must. We're about to find out. Uh, if we're bullish if we're bearish if there's any hope whatsoever if i can actually find the screen that i'm looking for of course in the meantime let's just hit this over here because we're going to be talking charts today so we might as well throw them up first uh (laughs) the intern is getting massively rugged while i seek the window that i'm trying to turn on here there it is there it is hold on ladies and gentlemen we've got cms intern how you doing buddy Doing well.
1: Honored to be here.
0: The uh, the one and only. You know, you're a CMS intern, but you've also been the up-only uh, intern of sorts for a while. Uh, and I'm privileged to have you co-hosting today.
1: Yeah, awesome to be here. I mean,
0: you guys since to start? And, you know, we've got a, a couple of fine folks with us. Uh, avatars only. <laughs> Let's start with Don. How's it going, buddy? Good, good. How are you? I am doing well. And uh, on-chain metrics expert, CryptoCred, how are you? Hi.
2: Yeah, I'm good. I'm so lucky and feel fortunate that I won the radio contest to appear with CMS intern.
0: (laughs) And I'm just so
2: happy to be here. Thank you very much.
0: Well, I'm glad y'all are here. Um, Why don't we actually get a couple of uh, things out there? Y'all do a technical show together. Uh, talking about price and stuff. We're going to talk about technical analysis today. Um, So let's get your intro, and then we're going to get some backstory on the intern, make him spill his guts about uh, where this uh, wonderful person came from. Uh, Cred, why don't you show us your stuff? Where where are you and Don publishing these days, and what are you doing?
2: Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm cryptocurrency credit card. Uh, I spend most of my time (laughs) replying to my friends trying to be funny on twitter.com and then from time to time i upload videos and live streams on technical roundup or my own uh rapidly de- decaying youtube channel but yeah um
0: thanks for thanks for yeah, having me nice um, to be on the show thanks for, and thanks for, yeah,
2: uh, i'm sure i'll come up with something reasonably
3: useful as the hours go on
0: i like it don what about yourself
3: i mean I just do whatever I want to really. I I don't think there's anything special that we're doing. It's just like we have our show and we do that from time to time. But I mean, I think everyone knows already.
2: I've also no rugged. Needed. I don't know if, I mean, Don knows this, but I've rugged the Monday live stream uh, and instead I'm going to be doing like Twitter spaces every Monday and maybe a few more times a week, might as well get something fun going in that space. So kind of shit posting with voice. Does that mean
0: you've rugged y'all's Monday stream as in you're not going to do it anymore? For now.
2: Yeah. I've, I've rugged my Monday stream and I'm going to do Twitter spaces instead. There's your big announcement.
0: Wow. How about (laughs) that? So all you have to do is be exactly where, uh, you dear listeners have been for ages now is on twitter.com and, you know, join a cred space. Is that what exactly? um something like i mean i wouldn't make,
2: name it after myself that's pretty pretty egregious um but sam <laughs> is gonna join <laughs> I, yeah exactly right but sam is gonna join the monday one actually for 15 oh, wow. gonna pop by for 10 20 minutes i'll ask him whether he can save us on turn off the algos or something at this
0: point and see what comes out of it yeah that's a nice flex there sir yeah. um all right so why don't we get the story the one and only cms intern first of all tell me sir who's taking notes today
1: Uh, I think Dan said he was actually going to, so CMS himself, um, I was going to try seemed like a little bit, uh, much on stream, but see.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So you work at CMS, you're no longer the intern or you're no longer an intern, but you're still the intern to all of us, uh, who have loved and appreciated the work that you do taking notes for up only. Uh, and I'm sure the important things that you may do at a, uh, (laughs) reputable hedge fund in the cryptocurrency (laughs) industry, uh, tell, how'd you get hooked up with them? And, uh, and how did you end up here with me today? Yeah.
1: So, uh, last November, I actually called Dan or I got intro to Dan from a friend, um, called Dan, I had 10 weeks off for my break from college um, so I got on the phone with him, talked for maybe two and a half minutes. He's like, yep, <laughs> all right, perfect. Send a resume, yeah. you're good. Um, then I ended up talking to Bobby Cho uh, a couple days later. Uh, that was a more of a 20 minute conversation, like actually
0: the real making thing.
1: sure that, yeah, exactly. Um, and from there, interned through the winter and then stayed on. Said I would have dropped out if they wanted me to. They're like, no, please finish your school. Um, but stayed on part-time throughout the semester and then, yeah, uh, the last Thursday actually. So I guess I've been a full-time employee for one week as of today.
0: How does it feel to be employed unlike us? <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: good. It's good. It feels like a good, uh, full circle kind of culmination to this whole thing. So, so just getting you, started. Were
0: you hyped about crypto before you met up with them or like what even intrigued you to, to reach out?
1: Yeah, so I had been, I joined crypto like summer 2017, um, going into my sophomore year of college. Oh, wow. Um, kind of fell down the rabbit hole. And then that was right before the run up. So, like watching Ethereum and Litecoin pump through that, I was like hooked ever since. Um, stayed in the space, just used my actual profile and followed all these guys for the last four years. Um, and then I started the blockchain club at my undergrad university. Um, just so that I'd have something to talk about if I ever got to actually meet a crypto person in real life. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, to stayed involved, talk to people, um, and then got connected to Dan. And that's when it kind of really turned serious. So,
0: Do you have any advice for Cred and Don and myself for getting a job in crypto? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think you guys have the best job in crypto right now. What is that? You just get to ship posts on Twitter and run podcasts and stuff. I don't know what else you'd want to do. Yeah,
2: that's true. I try the trading
0: thing from time to time, but yeah, you you hit the nail <laughs> on the head there. Um, cred Don, what, before we flip the mic and make, you know, y'all talk about yourselves more, what question do you have for the intern? Ooh, uh, this is one. What did you
2: study at, at the college or university, whatever it's called? Yeah, um, so I
1: didn't do anything... <laughs> Uh, nothing media content. I, had, I studied physics, uh, econ and math. Um, so I was very quantitative. That kind of lines up well with crypto. Um, only got into the media stuff because the CMS guys in the chat the entire time were like, yeah, we need a
0: hire full time meme guy. <laughs> like, I mean, I'll try my hand at it. And like, is so that going gonna- to... That's awesome. You get a physics graduate, uh, and a, and a math major. And then you're like, yeah, but can you make memes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured
1: like if I could, then at least, you know, they wouldn't fire me or at least immediately, um,
0: <laughs> which worked. So that's awesome. Uh, all right. So I got one more question with you for, uh, active trading and then you can start asking our guests questions, but are you a trader? Are you a more like invest in weight? What's your, what's your strategy? Um,
1: I, what I started becoming more of a trader like this past October, November. And then when I realized that I was going to work in it, I'm like, you can't really work in crypto if you've never got liquidated, um, <laughs> or at least not honestly. So I upped my leverage, uh, got pretty involved and then, um, did it. I mean, it worked right. Like turning on leverage for the first time in November, December, um, just lucky timing and then got a little bit rugged kind of March, April. And then I was like, all right, done with leverage, kind of earned my stripes in that that field. Um, So I'm not currently, you know, leverage trading or day trading, um, but I was for a little bit there.
0: Yeah, but you like... Try to maintain crypto exposure most of the time, of one way. For, yeah, for sure. It's just whether so by day trading, whether you're just long or whether you're longing your longs is the question.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not making more than 10 trades per day now. It's slower look, than that.
0: Oh, wow. That's a lot of trading. Don, Cred, do either of y'all make, have you, when was the last time you made 10 trades in a day?
3: Oh, Jesus. I mean, it has to be years ago, I think.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. That's- yeah before bitcoin hit
2: um when it's really kind of slowed down in the 50 thousands like on the run-up there were some setups but 10 a day I, I didn't think so i was you know i'm like a boomer click trader can only look at one chart because my eyes get tired or whatever <laughs> so 10 in one day is is
0: quite a bit yeah uh, somebody in the chat says they average 2.3 trades per week which If you just had that top of head that you knew your average number of trades per week, then I'm impressed at your ability to uh, account for your own activity because I don't have a freaking clue. Uh, (laughs) I think I probably trade on average once, maybe twice a day in, in aggregate. Maybe once, not twice. More than one, less than two per day. You've been pretty active recently though, right? I have been. I have been. Um. But yeah, man, so Kobe is complaining in the chat about me streaming in 1080p. Why would you do that? This is awful. I think you can change the quality in your own browser there, Kobe. Sorry. Get better internet, man. Maybe you could come on here and make our shows more entertaining than they are with just me. <coughs> People do not come from my personality, but they're here because the interns here and uh, Greg and Don are here. Uh, credit. I mean, dollars. I'm here because of the intern. I'm here because the intern is here. So you yeah, know, we've got to- <laughs> everybody's here for the intern. Exactly. Um. All right, guys. We need a little bit of backstory, y'all. Uh, I feel like your your Twitter commentary, as is natural, has reduced uh, every year that you've been in crypto. So there might be people that listen to up only who actually don't know like your origin stories very well. Uh, so can you give us the the deal? How did you get into the Uh, the trading game and the technical side of uh, crypto. Uh,
3: Should I start or should? Yeah, go on, Doug. So back in the day, like when when Bitcoin was trading or didn't really have a price, my brother actually, an IT guy back in the day, um, told me about it, said, this is super interesting. I'm mining on my my CPU and uh, I should look into it, right? And so I did, I was like, I was in my teens back then, found it interesting, but couldn't find a way to buy it because my mom refused to give me her credit card back in the day. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe wisely. <laughs> if
0: you're yeah, she was, she was
2: spending it. all the money on me. You see, that's the issue. I, I was her main expense. So she awesome. couldn't, she couldn't buy oh, any Bitcoin. No for, day, for don. <laughs> um,
3: But, but yeah, that was, that was kind of it. Like I was, i was um back then i was kind of looking into it didn't really get into it because i couldn't buy um and then i saw the run-up to basically a grand um and uh, the bear market afterwards and i was just like okay this is interesting now i have like some sort of a chance to buy some of this um but it was pretty poor back then so i didn't really want to be buying bitcoin because like paying a few hundred dollars to like almost a grand for bitcoin felt like super expensive. So I just bought a shitload of Dogecoin instead. Like for my, like, I mean, I was pretty poor. Like nowadays I would say like, okay, I didn't buy much, but like in comparison to my net worth, that was basically an all in. Um, yeah. And then I just left it there and, um, kind of forgot about it. Basically. I was just like in school back then I was like, okay, I'll just leave it, see how it goes. And, um, Dogecoin was doing like all the memes back then and uh, I loved the community. So I was just like, okay, fuck it. Whatever happens, happens. And then I checked back in, in um, 2016, 17 and I was just like, I had made a shitload of money off of that stupid buy and uh, <laughs> Dogecoin had gone up a shitload. So I just sold it and I was like, okay, now I have the chance to actually buy something like proper and then put it into bitcoin and that was kind of my my start into the whole crypto um world because i was like okay there's clearly something like you can clearly shift cryptos around you can like exchange your dogecoin for for bitcoin and at some point like dogecoin goes up more at some point bitcoin does so i just like swapped it around and uh yeah, pretty lucky entry on my on my end, and um, rode Bitcoin up and kind of got into trading from there. But you like,
0: I feel like you got Twitter famous during the bear market because you were just willing to fade
3: every pump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like, I was kind of like, I was starting to, I don't know if it was just like me being bearish at the right time or if, or if I was just like super exhausted with it all. Because like during 2017, like crypto consumed me, right? I, all I would be doing was like trading crypto, looking at crypto. Um, and like at some point, like credit still knows, is probably like we had like a chat room and I didn't sleep for like two or three days because i was like busy trading um but at some point like i thought like this is getting way too crazy and um started selling and nailed it pretty pretty nicely got out pretty high and um from then on i just got into this like super bearish mindset because i was like okay this is completely nuts i have no business making so much money so i think like i mean this cannot continue and all my peers were making a shitload of money too. So I was like, okay, this is clearly bubbling. And um from then on, just like started my Twitter journey. Yeah. Started like telling people that they were clearly wrong in being in being bullish. And some some people on Twitter, I don't even know like the influence influencers back then anymore, but like they quote tweeted me and were like, okay, this guy's an idiot. Look at him. And because I was in the comments, like everyone else, like nowadays, my comments, and I hate when people do that, when they're like in your comments telling you how shit you are. <laughs> and that's kind of like what I did back then um, to like the people that were just like permeables. and they quote tweeted me. And then it turned out to be right. And like people started following me and actually Kobe, big shout out to him um, and cred both shouted me out when I was right on the short that I did and my whole thesis and, uh, that's what kind of made my my twitter journey because i like at that point i had like 500 followers or something and then cred retweeted me a bunch and then kobe did the same and then i basically was like like 10 or 15 thousand and that's how the whole kind of twitter thing started
0: so what you're saying is being a reply guy is the way to get attention
3: on twitter (laughs) i mean i don't want to say because i fucking hate it when it happens to me but that's how i started out anyway yeah Uh, Hey, uh,
0: the intern, one of my, one of my buddies said, he's very disappointed that you're not a penguin. Uh, (laughs) we can do this for your (laughs) (laughs) buddy. Yeah. But then I'll feel so lonely on video by myself. Uh, all right. Thanks Don. Uh, cred, how did you get into this madness? All I remember is your DMS in like September, 2017. (laughs) Uh, but you were in it for a bit before that, right? Like learning the, learning the ropes and stuff. So, Ledger, you know, I respect you a lot.
2: And you know, I also
0: consume a lot of
2: crypto content, right? Yeah. Podcasts, whatever. I can't, um, to be completely frank, I can't think of a single time where I listened to a crypto intro story and thought, yeah, that was a really good use of my five, 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I can think of exactly zero instances of that being the case. Um what so Don just gave um y- sure um <laughs> <laughs> so you know i'm gonna spare your audience the 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 story because there really isn't one i think just like most people uh got lucky and got my eyes on crypto at the right time which for me was pre bull run 2017 um then just survived learned stuff networked with people smarter than me and and now we're here i think those are the only salient facts about my uh, origin story so to speak
0: Well, that's fair. I'll let you have it. Uh, so let's skip to the business then if that's what we're going to do. And, uh, we need to know the intern and I need to know, are we going to make it Do people like you guys have been, uh, Don, I don't know if you've, you know, been quite as an advocate as you were in 2017, but definitely talked a good bit about how, um, you know, you're worried about the market. What's the state of the market? I'm throwing a daily Bitcoin chart up here right now. Uh, Are we going to make it?
3: I mean, in my opinion, it's more likely to just kind of like have at least another like kind of crash in it before we go up. I think at some point, like if you look far enough into the future, yeah, we're going to make it. Short term, I'm not as optimistic. I think like this going down to like 24K-ish, and then like bouncing big would make the most sense to me, like 24 to like 40 to like back to 20 and then kind of range in there would just make a lot of sense to me. But um, I mean, I'll just trade it how 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 I feel like it's going to go right now. I think, I, I mean, I'm not buying this because to me, it just looks pretty bad. Um, and I'm gonna wait for actually either, that it turns out bullish, right? Maybe I'm wrong and this just like starts rallying. And at some point i will have to concede that, I mean, we're going up instead of down, I'd be down with that. Or I'm just going to have to wait for this to actually just wipe pretty much everyone out. And I know that there's not that much leverage in the market right now, but if you remember back during like the crash in seventeen eighteen um you didn't really need too much like crazy leverage all you need is like people start panicking and i think there's a bunch of new people in the market that can panic so i think i'm hoping for that anyway i think there's new people in the market today that can panic you don't think they already would have i mean they have it's just like you're sitting in this right, and you see it go down fifty percent, and everyone tells you, "Okay, crypto's volatile," so you're just like, "Oh, this is way worse than I thought it would be." But I mean, I'm still okay. Um, if it goes down another, like what, like forty percent, then you start panicking and think, "Okay, this might actually go to zero, right?" And then you start selling. That's something that I could see. Um, a lot of people that are smarter than me. Disagree. They're like, "Okay, this can only go down if there's a bunch of leverage," and I mean it's not necessarily a bad thought it's just like for me it makes more sense to either buy into strength or buy into like forced selling or people like just straight up being done with the market and um i think that's gonna happen in in the lower at least like in the 25k area and that's where i hope to get like hope to start buying again um but i'm i'm fine with buying higher as well because I mean, at the end of the day, like, if if I'm wrong and if we're not dropping, I want to be in this thing. It's just right now, I, I mean, I'm not too excited. Cred, in what ways do you
0: disagree with Don?
3: <laughs> Ooh, um, that's a, that's an interesting way of
2: phrasing it. Um, I think that's broadly correct. Uh, I'm probably not as optimistic if we do break down. I think 24 to, to knife catch might be might be a tad early at least i wouldn't probably be the first one standing in front of it um but i really feel like at times like these when we're watching daily chart intraday chart and it's just complete torture you kind of lose track of the higher time frame or just the larger perspective which for me is made up of like a few factors so as you've probably seen on twitter the easy trend which we're used to like either it's up only or just like fast moving up trend whatever it may be uh, it's pretty much wrecked slash non-existent Uh, When it comes to the majors, right? They crashed and they've just been moving in a very unpleasant sideways sloping (laughs) down since then so so that exactly right so that bit is gone uh the same easy trend is gone on DeFi. like you remember how sushi went from like one dollar to 20 or whatever it was and how basically DeFi went from zero to what it is now it was pretty much in a straight line i mean that chart is a really straightforward example right just the left side of it Uh, those are some (laughs) of the most straightforward trend continuation setups you're ever gonna see slash get right every breakout is like a valid breakout every retail is a is an actionable retest and the amount of drawdown or chop you have the stomach is close to zero right Uh, that is quite obviously gone as well at least in the number go up direction Uh, i agree with you that retail kind of free money um trades are wrecked to some extent as well Uh, i'm not seeing much of tiktok much of bsc the dogecoin guys that that you know part of the market uh, is certainly not as active as it was and also we're seeing the return of basically like Almost predatory, low volume mex algos, the 2018, 2019 kind of bart esque price action, where any, you know these weekend fades and massive low time frame breakouts which get faded almost immediately, uh, that type of price action is generally uh, unpleasant. The trade. So the way I like, and also most importantly, I think, and this is might surprise you coming from me, but most of the moving average, what I call MAM, moving average memes. um, So like the 21 weekly, the 50 weekly, 200 daily, like, you know, all of those, right? Um, Guppy, ribbon, whatever you want to call them, most reasonable trend following systems uh, are also like pointing to the downside or at least neutral. Um, So for me, when it comes to like assessing market conditions, There are certain points, like there are costs to both action and inaction, right? So if the market's really bullish and you're not doing anything and you're just resting on your laurels or just, you know, not taking part, there's a real kind of opportunity cost to that. When everything is flying 20, 40, 50% per day, projects going from zero to a billion, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like you're an idiot if you're not actively participating or taking advantage uh, of those Circumstances. At the same time, there is a cost to action, which I think currently applies in these circumstances, where if you don't have an edge, and you don't have a system which particularly caters well to these conditions, which I think is most people, um, then I think the priority shifts from active participation to a kind of capital preservation, or waiting for something that makes sense. Um, so that's, uh, I guess that's my framework for looking at where things are right now. And I'm sort of leaning more towards the uh, wait for something obvious and not losing money in this range is kind of half the battle.
0: Yeah. Uh, for the chat, the British one is cred or British sounding one. He might be Russian, might be, don't know. <laughs> uh, and the uh, German sounding one is Don. So hope that clears it up. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I I actually agree with everything both y'all said, which frustrates me as someone who wants to be bullish like most of the time. Like, the market's kind of pointless if I can't long it to me. Um, mostly because I don't. I feel like maybe that's just me coping. I don't know. What do you think? Um, it's just. Is
1: token chat guy though kind of like born in the up only chat? Like they need some hopium to grab onto. So. Inter- what do you guys see at least as like yeah. oh i, thought you I don't were i mean if you want i mean if i team. mine is i have blind optimism mine is blind hope <laughs> but if they hear these guys at least give like like a best case scenario what's like if the chat could have something to hold on to that helps them at least sleep um and think something could go up like do you what's your most optimistic case scenario
3: I mean, if you're looking at this on the, on the longer time frame, right? If you're in this, not only to just flip it in the next half a year, I think you're going to be just fine. Right. It's the the question of, okay. Um, are you going to be panic selling if this goes down or are you not? Basically because like, at least in my experience, right. And I've observed this market for a long time. Um, this thing just goes up only. Right. So, I mean, you're already in the right market. Nice <laughs> you're already in the right market. It's just sometimes the timing just isn't there, uh, but that's fine, right? I mean, back when I bought in, when I bought my Doge, I still remember being down like 20 or 30% at some point, right? Before I stopped looking. And, um, and then I exited that position, I think more than like 50X up or 100X up or something. Um, so it's like, it's all like, Dependent on your time horizon. And I mean, if this, this could just double bubble, right? I mean, we've been memeing about it um, everywhere. It's not like all the fundamentals, everything that everyone's been talking about is just like void because we've dropped 50%. It's like price action right now tells me to be careful. So I am, but I mean, I'm not going to discount the fact that, I mean, we've been going up from basically 4K to 60k almost 70 and now we're just pulling back a little right so if you're looking at on, uh, looking at it on a longer time time scale this thing is completely fine right and if it drops a little more um so be it you get to buy more or you kind of just have to wait it out i think in the, at the end of the day you're probably going to make money if you're in the in the crypto sphere long enough
0: right That's this kind moment, of my opium. right this moment we're 50 percent down off the top uh, at the lows, we were about 55% off the top. If if the market is not to like go full bear minus 80% type numbers, that's usually about the level of markdown that you get in historical Bitcoin terms, right? Um, and then if you go full bear, prior all-time highs around 20K would be a kind of typical bear market. Minus 70%, minus 80% would be back to like 14K, something like that um what i find interesting about that and i want y'all's thoughts on it is in that context was this bull market kind of a letdown for bitcoin at least because like in the past it was actually difficult to get to prior all-time highs as a bear market bottom you know like when we bottomed at 3100 the prior bull market top was uh what like 1300 um and this time, it seems like 20K would be a pretty realistic place to drop to if we went like, you know, long-term bear and not like mini bear.
3: Um, do you all take any implications from that? No, I think it's actually like the fact that we went up this high is super impressive. Because like at the end of the day, if you look at Bitcoin, right, back when, when it was trading at 1K, um, in comparison to gold, like the market cap in comparison to gold was nothing, right? Now that we've almost approached 60, 70K, we're getting pretty close at that point, right? Um, So I think like the higher you go on this thing, the slower it's going to move. And you're not going to get like these crazy um, $100 to 20K uh, movements or like $400 to 20K. You're going to get like smaller ones, I think anyway, the bigger this thing gets. Um, So I'm not really like disappointed i think it's actually crazy that we went this high um and i mean the next one's just gonna be a little bit i mean thinking about it right bitcoin at 60k is pretty damn impressive right that's like three times higher than we've had in 17 um and we pretty much went there straight like in a straight line and i think if we get another bull run from wherever that may be. Like, let's say this basis in the 20K area and then goes to like 100K, that's insane. And uh, I think I, I, I'm not disappointed at all.
2: Yeah, that seems reasonable. Um, I think if you take cycle bottom to cycle top, going from whatever, like 3K to mid 60K in a more or less up-only fashion, it's quite difficult to shake a stick at that. Uh, and that's considering that Bitcoin is supposed to be like the shiny rock, slow moving, safe asset, making that type of move. And then, you know, whatever altcoins did, Dogecoin, uh, DeFi became a thing. Uh, I, I'm not disappointed by um, by the way up or, or the road upwards. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's pretty reasonable. And I agree with Duck's um, basically market cap analysis that if, if we're going to, keep these relative price levels and have subsequent bull markets. Um, if, if you want the huge swings, you've got to take more risk and go out further out, go further out on the risk curve and play shit coins and um, Solana, DeFi and all sorts of new stuff, um, you know, take some, take some initiative as opposed to, uh purely relying on bitcoin to to take you there but i think you know we saw a lot of these arguments even when we started breaking 20k it was like well you know realistically what's the ceiling and with crypto it's always you know the ceiling is always much higher than you think uh, and the floor tends to be much lower than you think as well simply because of how crazy and reflexive it is um so no i think i think it'd be insanely greedy to be (laughs) to be disappointed by what we've had in the past year or
0: however long it's been yeah maybe i'm insanely greedy i don't know about you in turn but uh i I think part of me, I just, um, I do agree, it's extremely impressive that we went from whatever, 4K mm-hmm. in March to 60K. But when I think of 2017, even from all time high break at 1200, 1300, we went like 17X or something to 19, k Right. Um, so, on a pure multiples perspective, it didn't perform as well. But from a like, you know, total market cap and all that, like it just takes a lot more money to push everything that exactly. much higher. Um, so it's natural for the size of the of the run to be a little more muted, I guess. Um, but I miss I miss the old days where we could just like 20X stuff in a week, <laughs> you know, like, or not not that for altcoins,
3: but then like 20X Bitcoin over the course of a year. Is pretty, yeah, I, it's pretty insane. I think that's mostly based on like, when you think about it, right? Buying Bitcoin at 1K or 2K or 5K, like, that wasn't as safe of a bet as it is now, I think. Like, Bitcoin's established itself, so it's it's less risky to buy it. And the less risky something gets, right, the, 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 the smaller the returns on, like, at least in general. And I think that's going to be true for the crypto market as well. Like, the more established this gets, um, the less multipliers you're going to make. But, I mean, the less the chance of you just getting straight up rock pulled is too, right? Yeah, for sure. And that,
0: uh, less volatility over time is natural for the market. Someone named altcoin Thoreau in the chat is, uh, saying something hilariously false said ledger doubted the whole bull run and bought after 20 K. That's why he's not happy, which is definitively incorrect (laughs) and false. And I can point to why, uh, so sir, sorry, try to disappoint you, but you're wrong. um, Anyway, (sighs) I feel like there's also I I should throw in my two
2: Satoshi or whatever. That's a terrible expression. I'm never using that again Uh, (laughs) when it comes to bullish, bullish hopium. Oh, no, it's terrible. Um, The I think the if if you're going to make a hopium, something to hang on to, whatever bullish case is that we've had a really intense barrage of just bad news uh, come out over the past few weeks uh, and it doesn't seem to be abating either news out of china um regulatory crackdowns i mean the the network itself by virtue of you know difficulty adjustments and hash rate being decentralized etc you know Binance in the in the scopes there's like a lot of stuff going on uh, and we're still holding what looks like some sort of floor at 30k Now, obviously the downside of that is if that floor goes we're probably pretty <laughs> it's fucked super new um yeah. <laughs> right but uh, as long as that's intact you, you have to somewhat assume at least currently there's there's someone absorbing uh, a lot of that selling and that until very recently the market's done a better job of reacting to the bad news so before you know you'd get like a fart out of china and we'd drop like five percent uh, recently it's been it's been slightly better um so i suppose that's your that that's your argument of you know throw the kitchen sink of bad news at it and if 30k holds um you know if you really try to go one way and you don't succeed you usually get a move in the other direction um my problem And I can, you know, we can talk about this in more detail later or whatever. Uh, My problem with trading this range is that as volatility uh, falls off, the cost of being wrong at support also increases, right? Uh, And as shorter term kind of resistance, if you will, moves down as well, uh, the amount you can capture by buying that same range low decreases as well. So your reward is seemingly getting lower as the ceiling is moving down and volatility is moving down as well. Uh, and then the cost of being wrong has seemingly been increasing as well. Um, you know, if, if you're wrong at 30K, you probably eat uh, eat a big spoonful. So that, I think that range play was incredible when it first happened, that first, first crash, which was just an amazing play. Easiest trade of the year, um, really buying that flash crash if you weren't shitting yourself on the way down. Uh, but since then, every single other trade Uh, in this same range has just been more difficult with uh,
0: and less to capture with pretty much every subsequent attempt and for anybody watching this on video i believe basically both don and cred bought this close to the lows of the may crash uh and then sold one day later (laughs) and it was it was the it was the top of the entire range uh and i was uh, cred you you messaged me we were basically like should I ever sell this and then like 4 hours later <laughs> you were like I've sold this. Oh
2: that, that was difficult right? Cuz yeah. for
0: me it was I
2: was fully in cash waiting for that whatever for that crash and then when it happened then I got my entries and the market looks good. And I also tweeted both of those entries live. So obviously you get the social media pressure, cloud, whatever.
1: That,
2: yeah. yeah, exactly. And in my mind, I'm like, hey, this is this is awesome. You know, call the bottom. Now I just hold it back until 50K. It's such a good trade. And then my system tells me to basically cut everything on the daily close or like the next daily close. And so, yeah, exactly. That level you're watching there, literally for that very reason of that green daily candle closing below it, that was like an exit signal in my system. So for those listening, uh, it was the first crash that went under 30K. And then the next green candle closed under 40K, which for me was a close at resistance and a kind of conservative sign to exit. So if I were just trading my own book, you know, the, the obvious thing to do is you follow your system and close the trade. But it took me a little bit longer to convince myself of that just because of the social media effect. We're like, oh, it's like a bottom snipe and i'm so cool and all my friends want to hang out with me and you know now i'm just going to hold on to this entry forever because it'll you know some king shit but then you know obviously i had to had to get out and that's been it right that that was my last kind of real meaty active trade Uh, and since then i don't feel like i've i've really missed out on much and once that opportunity came and went um that that range has just been harder and harder to trade you know yeah
1: especially where did
0: the go ahead sorry
1: you got a ledge please please sir um so, what are what are your actions look like then for the next couple months, right? If you're relatively high conviction bearish, do you just pull out, sit in stables? Like, are you looking for like 1.7 million percent APYs? Like, <laughs> you what what's the what's the play look like if it's not just leverage long Bitcoin? I mean, I
2: wish I were high conviction bearish, but I'm not. My, my heart still says. 40 45k is like plausible um so I, you know I, i'm not high conviction anything right now you know was high conviction on the crash and since then i'm like hey you know if i'm not going to get setups then i'm just going to kind of sit here and chill um but yeah currently positioning wise i mean in stables i'm not farming or lending anything just literally just sitting there with with my coins Uh, and i don't want to short either to be honest with you it's not like a trade that i find particularly attractive and and if you consider like let's say there is a downside break and you kick yourself for like not shorting it i would rather have my focus uh, be completely trained on positioning like to the upside correctly Uh, i think i feel like that's where my attention is best spent so really for me it's a case of sitting in cash for now um, and waiting for like a good long and even if it crashes I'm still looking to buy somewhere and if it goes up and gives me some sort of continuation setup I want to buy as well I, I don't really want to short this thing I want to be exposed to the market my heart is is telling me to be exposed to the market but if I don't have setups um, I'm going to be careful also as Don knows I'm like an amazing counter indicator in discord so I'll be sitting in cash and then DMing him like dude this is going to moon it's over for bears etc and it's like <laughs> single, every single local top so I've, I've learned not to you know at least, trade doing,
0: at least you're only doing that uh in chat like i'm doing it with my with my portfolio <laughs>
1: yeah yeah uh, just sit in the in metaverse real estate instead yeah that's right just hope
0: i need to go to the true store of value which is uh the recovery of me bits uh oh my god yeah <laughs> it's a lot of people counting on that bounce yeah man, I don't know if you've seen but the uh NFT bubble 2.0 is already here, right?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean it looks That's like it. Start. That's where the
0: momentum's been, right? Recently. Yeah, it's uh it's very strange. Like I it feels like the type of thing that happens before it all goes down like a complacency bounce of NFT hype. Um the NFT people. You've seen Axie's mooning too. Dude, Axie's going insane. Like have y'all do y'all know anything about Axie Infinity stuff?
3: Yeah. Very vaguely, yes. Yeah. I actually looked into it like a while ago. And Don, um, can you tell us why Axie Infinity is mooning? I mean, it just looked cool, right? I mean it's the first I don't know if you guys have ever played any kind of games um that actually like do any crypto related stuff. They're all pretty damn shitty, not gonna lie like, <laughs> i've 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 looked into like Lua and I for some time like looked into a bunch of them Um, there was like a shitty game on 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 Litecoin and a bunch of other stuff because we were like, okay, I might as well know like what what's going on there and um yeah they 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 look pretty shitty, and this actually looked pretty well done right so i'm I'm not surprised that it's like at least doing better than those. My my first
1: report that I ever did as an intern, um, came from Joe at CMS. He had me look into Axie Infinity. And we were like, This looks like a pretty cool, you know, um game to get involved. Kinda had the same sentiment as you. Most blockchain games are not fun. Like you might as well just play on a mobile app. Yeah. Um But yeah, it's been it's been good for a long time and I think it's just finally catching its win. I mean it pumped two months ago or something, but so did everything, so cool to see you get that recognition yeah
0: they use a play to earn mechanism uh versus like pay to play or whatever else exists so you play for free and then basically if you like do all the like grinder stuff like as a uh as a player like go through all these i don't know whatever the challenges are that's how you can earn tokens within the game right um but don't you did you to- say do all the grinder stuff did yeah, i like there right like if you want to if you just want to like do battles and have fun this is all based on a thread that someone did i apologize i'm not citing them um it was like if you do the battles and stuff like you don't get as many rewards but if you do the like whatever you do in these games you know you walk around and like complete steps and all this kind of stuff to like <laughs> earn your way up you kind of build up your your character or whatever to and you earn axie somehow did i say that right yeah and you can like breed them and stuff and get you know if you have a rare
1: one those have like value as well so <laughs> the play to earn is cool i think if there's anything that can you know pompous stuff stays where it's at
0: i hope the play to earn is the one that catches the bed sorry i just realized what y'all meant making
3: fun of me about But like, this is one of the things that like, I still mess up in crypto a lot where I look into something and I'm like, okay, this is not complete garbage, but like, I'm not like entirely sold on it. But every time I think like, okay, this is not complete garbage in Auckland land. It goes up like a million X (laughs) and I don't buy it because I'm like, Oh, I'm too like, I'm, I'm, I have like this, this, and this problem with it. But like, That's like one of the things like if you, if any of this makes any sense to you, right? If any blockchain makes any sense to you or if any game or any like art makes sense to you, then look into deeper, something I mess up constantly where I'm like, okay, this is not bad. And then I look at it again the next time it's mentioned like half a year later and it's up like a million percent and I kick myself for it.
0: I muted my Slack notifications now. I thought I did earlier, but apparently that didn't work. So they're muted now. That is not you, listeners. You can stay here with us. You have not been summoned by your bosses. The intern might have been, but uh, that, but we haven't. Uh, and speaking of, can you give us some like uh, some CMS alpha? Like what's been uh, like what's you alls state of the market? Like we talked about you know, what we are seeing from a technical perspective. Are you you seeing things change from maybe a VC perspective or like flows? What are your thoughts? Give us the the serious hedge fund stuff.
1: I'm getting spammed in the chat. No alpha leaks. Make sure you keep it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I mean, seeing a lot of the stuff that you guys uh, have talked about. I mean, we have like a couple different theses that, um, we've been investing in recently. Um, I, I have no idea how okay it is for me to, um, don't, throw don't, those out here don't right now. No
0: names. Don't th- no names, no names. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I don't, um, that is something I'd probably get fired again. <laughs> <the> 14th time. <laughs>
0: how often do you get fired? Um,
1: uh, I I only got fired every once in a while until <laughs> the Miami trip, and then it was like like, oh, like that was hourly. like ten times a day. Yeah, the FTX guys <laughs> started firing me. Like Alameda was there, they'd show up, be like, "Oh no way, intern! Like you're fired." I was like, <laughs> Just "But they'd rehire." Like they yeah, if I did something good, then they'd rehire me. So that's awesome. I
0: don't know. Um, works. Yeah, I, I'm curious about like if a lot of funds are seeing flows change and they're like quietly shifting their broad thesis, but aren't telling anybody about it yet until they're like fully exited or, you know, like have filled in whatever their game plan is. Well, I
1: know we're at least like publicly, we talk a lot
0: about the multi-chain universe that we
1: see coming through. So I think that that thesis is still definitely intact. Um, just seeing other chains come in, like besides just Ethereum as the main chain, um, have their own use cases and be able to interact with each other. Um, Cause Wouldn't like there's a, lot, I mean, there's a lot. No, of course not. <laughs> ETH is That's like the first love. Um, but no, I think there's just like, like ETH is very good as great network effects with it. Like there are other chains that are, um, I don't know, I guess more set like the way that the protocol is set up to be better at certain things. Um, And there's going to be a place for that, or at least, you know, I think so. Um, That's it. That's as, that's as, that was my best uh, try without name dropping everything.
0: No, I think that's fine. And I was going to shout out, by the way, it was um, Amy Wu who had the thread on Axie Infinity. And I'm going to pop it up on the, on the screen here. So. She works at light speed. Um, so yeah, I think Axie made a million dollars in revenue yesterday <laughs> or something like that. Like, <laughs> I could say. um, yeah. So she says that it took them three years to make their first 10 million in revenue, five days to make their latest 10 million, uh, run rate, 1 billion plus a month, um, with 350,000 daily active users. And I saw yesterday that Axie ha- cleared 1 million in revenue in one day. Uh, like, that's that's some serious game adoption, but I don't know how do you differentiate between, like, when something like this is people chasing profits from a game versus, like, sticking around, right?
1: So, uh, going off of that, if Axie did a million in a day, uh, it looks like Fortnite 2018 was kind of when it, like, it's plateaued since then, and it was doing two million a day at that point. Wow. And that game, um, Epic Games, is... 28.7 billion dollar valuation most of that from fortnite so maybe there is more room for Axie.
0: we'll see it's pretty impressive are you talking to your bag here are you an Axie owner do you, you i actually
1: don't you, you own, own you any any, any Axie. i don't even no, know i'm, that I'm waiting works. i'm waiting for someone to metaphorically fork it and put it on solana <laughs> and then i'm just going to put everything into that so
0: cred have you played any
2: of these games I'm sure it would shock you to find out that I haven't played any of these games. Um, I mean, I'm open-minded towards it, but it hasn't, hasn't been on the forefront of my mind. I think an interesting point about, you know, being, being early to these things or looking, you know, you know, we had the comparison of a lot of blockchain games suck. And this game doesn't suck and maybe that's like an investment thesis in itself but it speaks generally to the point and i think don mentioned it in passing that if, if you're waiting for like confirmation or like the final polished version or whatever like by definition you're always going to be paying up price-wise for that confirmation for that certainty when it comes to users and traction network effects and so on and so forth right uh, if, if you're actually bullish something and you want to maximize your risk to reward, so to speak, both from trading and investing, you can't wait for it to be perfect if you want to get like a really good entry. Um, You know, that you can't have your cake and eat it. I think it's also something Sue said in one of his podcasts where he made the argument that when a lot of early DeFi was pitched to him, he he kept coming up for reasons, with reasons as to why it wouldn't work or couldn't work or the problems with it. Whereas in reality, if it's those kinds of early stages, uh, especially if you've got like the crypto bull market tailwind behind you as long as you're somewhat right and you're not it's not a total rug pull um you know that tends to be more than enough to at least establish some sort of position and then the multipliers if if you're even fractionally correct kind of take care of the rest um so you know if we're dealing with early tech or new
0: projects etc um i think we've got to sort of lower our standards uh, a little bit yeah, that makes sense. I wonder if the game, like I'm looking at the token, the token went down 70%, so like a lot of stuff in uh I guess DeFi land from this one stopped in April. Like a lot of DeFi peaked in February. So this actually was probably a decent rotation actually. That was a dollar or something and it went to 10, so it was a very decent rotation to like from DeFi in February up to then and then if you avoided like when it broke down uh now off the bottom i mean it went 300 percent while most stuff was not doing much at all so um i'm curious how the token mechanics fill in with the with the game or the popularity of the game or the users in the game and kind of what applies there you know for don or cred do y'all look at uh the token revenue models or any of that stuff when you're looking whether or not to buy something
3: or is it purely the chart I mean, me personally, I, I don't really trade too many old coins nowadays. Um, so like if I see something, I mean, I think I speak for almost everyone nowadays, like we're all in like group chats and discords and we have like people around us that are like super into the fundamental side of things. And when I hear like from three or four different sources that something is decent and I look at the chart and the chart looks good, that's enough for me. Um, Might be lazy on my behalf, but I know that's not my strong suit, right? So I just tend to stay away from it. Um, But yeah, that's.
0: I have a follow up question about that. But first, Crypto Gypsy in the chat said here's a metric for Axie. It has the largest Discord in the world of any game ever, which is amazing. Um, All right. So, and I have no interest in Axie, no financial interest. You know, forget anybody that wants to claim any of that. All right, Don, why don't you trade some of these other things? Because aren't the charts cleaner sometimes than like this, you know, 60 days of sideways in Bitcoin? Um,
3: I mean, yes, and sometimes they are. The problem with like the altcoins is that my thesis on almost all of them is that they're going to like near zero at some point. So if you're taking a trade, it has to be like a really, really good setup because like if you like for example for dogecoin right and i told my backstory i love dogecoin like i love dogecoin nowadays not so much but for dogecoin right like if i wanted to take a long trade in dogecoin i think like the end result of dogecoin is going to go to zero or very very close to it right so the trade has to be really good because otherwise i'm just buying something where i think the end result is going to be that i mean almost everyone in that is going to lose their money right so, like that makes it really, really difficult for me to establish like traits in it. It's helped me like stay away. Like that's been basically my assumption for almost all coins since eighteen. Um, and then sometimes I get like bullish for like a week or two or three on the old coins, but in general, like I'm I'm pretty pessimistic. Um, so I tend to stay away from them. Um, it's cost me some money, I think, but it's also protected me from becoming an eternal backholder on some others. So I'm not entirely sure if it's like a good or bad thing, but I can't turn it off. I think like most of this stuff is going like low. So it's it's difficult for me to just take it as a trade. Um, but I do sometimes take take trades on them. It's just the setup has to be real good and the entire um, setting for it has to be good as well. So for example, with Bitcoin at 33K at support right now, it's really difficult to justify for me, like taking a swing trade in altcoin, because if that altcoin goes up, um, Bitcoin has to play ball too, right? So I'm not only betting on the altcoin going up, but I also bet on Bitcoin going up. And if I'm not willing to take that uh, that bet on Bitcoin, I'm not going to take it on the altcoin. So um, there's a few windows every year where like both align pretty well. When I'm not like, when we're not having that window, I'm mostly just like focus on Bitcoin instead.
0: Craig, how how do you differ from that? Are you taking altcoin trades or mostly Bitcoin and ether? Yeah,
2: I'm a bit more active. Um, It took a lot of shilling for for us to add DeFi to technical roundup, for example, (laughs) when it came to the newsletter, like sushi was at like $2 or something. And Don was arguing with me whether, how late we are to sushi given it went up from basically being zero. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I'm slightly more offensive in that regard. My, My strategy is somewhat twofold. I think to answer the first question, yeah, generally, if you want to invest in stuff, kind of need to understand the tokenomics and so on and so forth. I think going in blind, uh, doesn't make any sense. So certainly if you're doing deals and, you know, properly investing, um, going in blind is, you know, whatever, a non-starter, uh, as for myself, my own personal strategy, it's kind of one of two things, uh, shorter term, just whatever standard TA technical trading stuff, um, long, short on USD margin futures, like that's fine. But then also probably the one which performs better is mid cycle, uh, I'll play the kind of top 30 to top 50 by market cap and sometimes just move my collateral into those coins to some extent if I think there's a nice high time frame trend to take advantage of. Like I've discussed before, uh, when it comes to Bitcoin exposure for a period of, of, of I think, three to four months, uh, my entire collateral was in FTT because FTT was acting as beta to Bitcoin and just outperforming it on the way up. I mean, FTT, BTC was quite literally up only while Bitcoin was up only, right? So I wanted to stay exposed to the market, but I thought there's a kind of better way of doing it than just holding Bitcoin. So I chose uh, FTT instead. Uh, So yeah, for me, I I do more of that kind of stuff. Um, It's either short-term trading for anything that's liquid in terms of whatever USD or linear futures, or it's something I just want to hold my collateral in kind of mid cycle as stuff just goes up with us without too much stress.
0: Yeah. I think that makes sense. And FCT was a fantastic call because it just, I mean, there were like no dips on FTC hours. <laughs> oh, it was unbelievable. I, f- yeah. I mean,
2: I tried to just not look at that chart because
0: yeah. I would look at it on like the daily or the weekly.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, there's nothing here. It's terrifying. I don't want to look at it. But it's like, well, it's also just like going up with the rest of the market, whatever. I'll, I'll give it a go. So yeah, that, that plays, a, plays a part. But I don't have any like long-term investments or stuff I want to, you know, have locked up in some basement in cold storage or whatever. I'm not quite there yet. Uh, but I'm definitely not averse to just holding altcoins and how holding collateral and altcoins in the appropriate part of of the market cycle
0: did you include DeFi in your like batch of coins in the middle that you wanted to play mid cycle uh like when there's a narrative that you see approaching do you go to a specific sector or do you primarily say like okay well this is the range of market cap i'm interested in
2: yeah it's mostly range of market cap and to be honest just like usually ends up being really blue chippy stuff bitcoin eth solana exchange coins and that's kind of more or less it um i I don't really venture venture
0: past that i'm a bit conservative yeah um all right i want to do something and it's just called don and cred do ta (laughs) that sounds terrible are you sure (laughs) (laughs) tell me we have the ave chart here and uh tell me what's wrong with it like from uh, what i have on here and what happens next
3: Don, you love this coin. I mean, I think what's wrong with the chart that you have is that it's in USD. You should be looking at it versus Bitcoin. And I think it's actually- Who this pretty- man? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's actually looking pretty decent. Like I like from like a perspective of, okay, all coins are doing generally pretty shitty right now. This is one of the ones that is strong. So I don't mind it. Like if I, if I was looking for all coin exposure, I'd be looking for charts like that. So um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not bearish that's, on that's on Arv Bitcoin. It,
0: it does look quite good versus uh, BTC. Do you ever look at versus Ethereum?
3: Uh, no, but I mean, that's something that you've done and quite successful successfully. So, so I mean, I might do that more. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense because a lot of this is trading. Um, against ETH, right? It's the same reason why I like the Bitcoin pair so much, right? Because back in the day, you were trading altcoins against Bitcoin. Um, I still think like a bunch, and we talked with um, Kyle from Free Free Arrows um, about this. And he said like, he doesn't really care about the USD pairs. He cares a lot more about the Bitcoin pairs because he's trying to outperform Bitcoin because all he's like, he's in the market to be long crypto. And um, what he's trying to do is basically when he buys an altcoin, just make more Bitcoin with it. Right. And um, if you're in the same situation with ETH, where you're like, okay, I have ETH, I want to keep this ETH, but can I spot an opportunity to make more ETH? I think then it makes a lot of sense to look at at the the ETH chart. And the more people do that, positioning, Yeah, and the more people that do that, the more important the ETH chart gets. I think, like, back in the day, um, I saw, like, people charting against ETH in 17 and 18, and I think that was, like, largely a meme. But nowadays, I I see a good reason to do it, so.
0: I actually find, unless your whole point is to stack Bitcoin, but if it's to just uh, outperform that which it's, like, related to or derivative of, I actually think for DeFi, it's more appropriate to chart, relative to eth because that's what most of the liquidity pools are um but from a if it's just like what you want to stack then sure charge against bitcoin and make sure you're not like underperforming it massively or something like that
3: Um, yeah that's a that has always been kind of my view on old coins like if you can't outperform bitcoin you're doing something wrong because i've had so many arguments and if people have been like i've been Talking, talking shit about Litecoin pretty much this entire cycle, right? I've, I've bought it a few times, sold it a little bit higher, um, but had like some fights with the Litecoin community because they were like, okay, this, guy, this guy's been like talking crap about Litecoin, but it's up so much against the dollar, right? But like, in my opinion, everyone that's been stuck this entire cycle in Litecoin has been doing themselves like a massive disservice. Like you've been underperforming Bitcoin massively while taking on much more risk. Um, That's like the two things that you don't want to be doing, right? You don't want to take more risks and then underperform the the thing that is just like there, just going up. Basically, do you don't want to and guess
0: when Charlie Lee came on up only? I don't, <laughs> no, not again. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It was this exact week. Uh, like, unbelievable. It was. <laughs> yeah, I felt so bad. It was literally, like a day off of the top, the Pico top. uh, it was incredible. We talked about it being in price exploration, which now you look at it, I like can't find it. Uh, it was that, that close to the top. It was truly amazing. Uh, in turn, do you guys, or do you yourself, how do you look, uh, at like charting versus flows? Like I know Dan just talks about flows all the time and like the futures curves and the funding and all that kind of stuff. Are you doing yep. TA yourself or are you, what's your, what's your deal?
1: No, it is mostly flows. Like Dan definitely leads the way with that stuff. Um, I brought up charting once. I mean, I had been a crypto Twitter guy for like three years before. So then got the crypto internship and brought it up once, um, like probably two weeks into the internship and definitely just got laughed at in the chat by all these guys who I didn't really know yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, for not, not to discredit TA, but just from what I had said and I'm like, all right, I'm never bringing it up again. Like
0: <laughs> <You're ashamed. laughs> low just
1: reward, silence. high risk. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I learned pretty quick. Um, but no, Dan, yeah, exactly. Like, and he'll tweet out exactly what he's thinking in terms of the flows and stuff. Like sometimes he'll put it on Twitter and that's how we'll see it because yeah. he's just like, like flow state with a DM that, and so. be
0: like wait so this is our trading strategy now <laughs> it's like yeah, dad, <laughs> yeah. <you watch> week?
1: <laughs> well for the last week at least now i get to see him in office um oh awesome so i can just so i can just ask him there but yeah when it was intern life yeah i was learning through twitter same, same right along with you guys
2: yeah it feels like there are very few like pure pr- like app price maximalist price chart only whatever TA only I don't even know what Bitcoin or blockchain is type of traders compared to when we were all losing money on BitMEX after the first whatever bubble pop in 2017 Um, I I feel like even more kind of more technical oriented traders nowadays kind of look at futures data it's so much more accessible and people actually know how to interpret it Uh, look at narratives news and make an effort to build a picture uh, you know a cohesive picture of the market as opposed to whatever, drawing a line and saying, now it goes up or now it goes down. Um, And I I certainly wouldn't trade just, you know, a line in the sand or whatever, unless it's some really short term type of strategy. My best slash biggest moves have always had some kind of fundamental or narrative or just kind of cohesive tailwind behind them that gave me the conviction to then execute on the random squiggle on so, the chart you know
0: yeah so credit is the ta a meme to justify your position like psychologically or- it's just
2: psyops yeah
0: 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent um if you draw a big enough box it'll bounce do you, somewhere, truly, you know? do you truly believe that or like it's it's obviously part of your your conviction to use the chart but it can't like you're basically saying it's not the only thing that can you know? it's it's yeah definitely not the only thing um and yeah in terms of having conviction to
2: execute like higher time frame rebalancing or just making big decisions when it comes to portfolio management, like moving out of something completely, et cetera. Um, I, I can't think of the last time I did it on a purely technical basis.
1: I think that, that that's a big, um, big thing that I kind of saw just from going like Twitter guys, like obviously you guys have huge followings on Twitter and everyone's looking at your charts. Um, and that's what I thought a lot of crypto trading was or like almost all of it. Um, but I think it's just like Twitter. It just lends itself. It's like a chart with lines on it. And a price target is just very spreadable stuff, right? Like you can see it. You're like, I like that and retweet it. (laughs) And then, so that's what, that's what gets all over the feeds. Um, but yeah, I think in the podcast, like if you listen to him, you can hear, you know, a lot of the guys that do it all the time. I'm talking about it. Like CL and Loomdar talk about it a lot, kind of the flows and how the options markets trade it. Um,
0: yeah i think there was a time probably where like just price just the chart like not even volume really was like playing into what could happen because the market was even more immature i guess um Mm -hmm. but the more that additional components of the market are developed and it's not just like a btc pair on poloniex you know um like that was all some of these markets were and that's all you could do is just chart it versus btc and you didn't have very much information in addition to that but when you have derivatives markets for futures perpetual swaps um, and you have the funding rates that are associated with that you have burgeoning options markets now and uh, at least for bitcoin and ethereum i feel like it adds a whole lot of uh, dynamics to the market that you at least have to take into consideration and that wasn't always the case um do y'all think some of them are overplayed now like i feel like every single person on twitter is basically following this bitfinex whale and whether he's opening or closing his shorts over that the course of that day uh do y'all think that that is overplayed in our landscape or do you think it's pretty important
3: I think it's basically like people being bored and people like looking for like reasoning for it to go up or down because you can read anything into it. Right. You can say this, this big guy is shorting because like price is going to go down because he is and he just knows something. Or you could say, okay, this guy is shorting. He's going to get short squeezed. Like you can make up a million reasons for why price can go up or down. And if you're kind of basing it on like stuff like that, I think you could, it's not going to help you much. It's just going to, if anything, going to confirm whatever you believe anyway. Like I've seen so many, even in discords, I see people like arguing about this stuff and they have like an opinion before it. And then you have like data like that come out and then they just interpret it the way that supports their opinion anyway. And I mean, if if you want to do that, fine. But I mean, if you base your entire strategy on, on something where you don't know if, like, for example, the Bitfinex whale, he might be like longing on, on FTX and shorting on Bitfinex or like, like there's a bunch of stuff that you can do. And, or he's just, maybe he's, he's like going to claim that position. Um, you don't know. Um, no one does. And I think like making a judgment based on that's not going to help you much. Do you think the uh,
0: derivatives funding is more impactful or the open interest in options is more impactful than the bitfinex
3: stuff? 100%, yeah.
2: Yes, it's,
0: but there's also a trap that comes with that
2: where people develop like a very baseline understanding of what it means for funding to be negative or positive and then jump to quite like unsupported or extreme conclusions based on that alone. Um, like you'll see negative funding and then you'll immediately associate it with a completely different context. And then it's like, Oh, funding's really negative. Therefore we've got like a bunch of shorts to squeeze. That's not always the case. Right. Uh, And you know, we've had quite consistent like windows or clusters of consistently negative funding ever since like the bloody Ben Askren KO, right. Where that first big open interest wipe Took place, I think, when was that? I think it was in, when was that? Let me take a look. Mm. Like the first flush around May, I think. um, Whenever that took place, I mean, ever since then, um, you've had quite a few windows of just funding being negative. And ever since the mid 40s, I've had to read every single week of like a massive short squeeze incoming solely because funding is negative. So I think they're, you know, using futures data and derivatives data, et cetera, is very useful. I use it to build a picture of the market, but I think arriving at binary conclusions of negative funding equals longer and short squeeze, and then the opposite being true for funding being high, it's just not that simple. And I think you need to use, uh, use it you can't detach it from its context completely, you know, well, especially because a lot of the time funding ends up being counter trend anyway, like we had really positive funding when the bull market like really high funding when the bull market would just kind of really started going and was early on, but that's because it was just expensive to get long, right You had to incentivize a way for the future to trade somewhat close to the index, uh, and the same thing applies on you know on the other way uh, on on the other side on the way down um so that's kind of my, you know, I think it's a def, definitely useful bit of context to consider, uh, but it's probably not as simple as X funding means this market trade or, you know, Y funding means that
0: market trade. Well, plus in a perpetual swap market, like there's always someone selling against the, like for the buyer and, and vice versa. Um, it's just how much, right, the mark and index price are differentiated and it's trying yep. to incentivize keeping those prices the same and therefore... Forcing people on one side of the trade to pay for the privilege when it keeps the uh, those two prices too far apart. It's not that there's like more people on one side or the other, or more dollars on one side or the other. It's just right. that it sucks to be losing the trade and also paying for it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still yeah. remember back in the day when we had like a lot more dechants around. Um, it mattered a bit more because back then when you were in a position and a lot of people were like in high leverage position positions while the market wasn't moving and then they were, were paying funding and they literally got like started getting liquidated by the market going sideways, um, that kind of stuff. Like back then we've had much higher, um, interest in, in derivatives we had, people actually like just going completely crazy. I think that slowed down a little. Um, so right now, I feel like a lot of people are just making the case that, okay, we've been like slightly negative on the funding side of things. And that that's like the reason why we have to go up because like people like are just bearish on Bitcoin, but that's not necessarily the case, right? If you don't get any spot buying, if no one steps in and it's like, I'm actually going to buy this thing, doesn't really matter, right? You can have people shorting, and if no one's going to be like, okay, I'm going to step in here and buy a bunch of Bitcoin. Um, that's just going to be right. Right. And we've had like negative funding before it drops before. Right. It's not like you can like just only go up if you have negative funding. We've had a bunch of times where negative funding just front runs the dump. And uh, yeah, I, it's not intern, as easy in the black and white as people make it out to be.
0: In turn, that's one of the flows that y'all follow too. Right. Like if, if a pump is cash led on Coinbase, it's going to mean more than if it's like bybit degenerates that lead that market two hundred dollars above the rest of the market. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't, absolutely. Don't pay attention to that like perps versus spot or like futures, certainly futures versus spot. Like the size of the premiums, or uh, if it goes in backwardation, is an interesting uh, thing as well at times because typically these markets are not. Yeah,
1: I think I think Dan put out a tweet like on the way up where he's like funding rate isn't part of the game. He's like that is the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if that gives you any uh, any insight on what our position is with funding rates, um, no, I mean obviously super important, right? Like if you're paying you know one percent of your position to be short on something every single day, like it's only a matter of time until you bleed yourself dry um, going against the rates. So, yeah, I mean, typically you look at like a negative funding rate, you can, at least you know that there's a tailwind to get a little bit of relief. Um, but yeah, definitely a big part of, of what we look at.
0: So let's talk about something that none of us are qualified to talk about. How about that? Uh, Women. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Oh man, uh, I was going to go with the legacy market, uh, the true up only market that we only dream to be. Um, there seem to be some uh, some concerns out there. Breadth is down. Uh, in that it seems like Amazon's basically carrying the the cues at least. But are y'all watching this? Are you looking for um, people who are? you know risking off in legacy and whether that sets a temperature in crypto um or do you think it's largely just too difficult to try to to compound
3: um i mean for me personally i look at this and i'm like okay if this moves down then bitcoin's probably going to move down at the same time um i'm not trying to predict the, the legacy markets much because I don't trade them and I don't think like my style of trading would work there. And I think that's going to be the same for crypto at some point, the more like the bigger it gets, the more mature it gets. My style of trading is probably not going to work anymore. Um, But yeah, so for me, like I'm, I'm not going to be trying to predict like, okay, this is going to be the crash and then crypto is going to go down because of it. Or crypto is going to go up. Like that's not what I'm trying to do but something that you can do with like the legacy markets is when like the legacy market goes down and crypto goes down less. or even like kind of stands its ground Then you know, okay, someone's buying the dip there. And then you can just kind of join in, jump in on on the strength because like at the end of the day, like most of the time the legacy markets go up. Right. So when you see like it dumping and crypto actually holding strong, that might be a sign that people are buying crypto. Um, while like people that are trying to kind of copy trade the legacy crash or whatever, um, are extending themselves too far out. And then you can kind of kind of take advantage of that when legacy starts bouncing again and crypto held stronger. So it's going to bounce stronger most of the time anyway. Like that's kind of like how I look at these, um, anything beyond that is way beyond my cap- capabilities in my opinion, anyway. Don, do you pay
0: our cred? Do you pay attention to legacy markets? I mean, I pay attention. It's like the old meme goes, right?
2: If crypto dumps, the first thing you do is open up the S and P or the queues or whatever, and <laughs> yeah. see if that's down as well. When you, and suddenly, you have like a viable narrative at your hands. Um, I, th- I think, generally speaking, at least at least my approach, if there's a March-style macro Armageddon-type of deal going on, uh, then I don't think crypto is going to be immune from a large like multi-week correction or something scary. But for the most part, every time the few traditional finance guys I follow get like really excited or start retweeting stuff about the S and P nuking, uh, that's normally near the bottom anyway. Um, so it doesn't really make sense for me to pay a ton of attention. So, so I I guess the TLDR is, yeah, if it's like a big, you know, global nuke or multi-week trend or something really worth paying attention to. I don't imagine crypto is going to shrug it off completely. It's still a risk asset in many ways. Um, but this this day-to-day, week-to-week stuff, I'm not too flux summoned by it.
0: What cracks me up is people in legacy markets are talking about like right now as if there's something really dramatic going on and it's like one down <laughs> day <laughs> and then it got bought back up intraday, you know? Kind of jealous. This is the up only market we were promised.
3: Yeah. I think like that's one of the things that I don't like about current like Bitcoin action is that like every other market basically is just up only and it's Bitcoin's time to shine right now, right? We have the macro backdrop. We have everything. Um, but what's what what what's been happening is that it's just been going down 50% during that. Now, it's a little bit unfair to say that, given that Bitcoin ran up from 4K to like above 60. But it's still going to be in people's heads, right? Like that's such an unfortunate kind of sequence of events where it's like people are going to be saying, okay, crypto isn't doing as well amidst this backdrop than it should have. But the thing is, like, crypto did much, much better than it should have, like, at the beginning of it all. So it's this kind of weird situation where I'm I'm not too excited that we're seeing, like, traditional markets making new all-time highs while so Bitcoin is looking rather weak. But, I mean, I think it's caused by the fact that crypto just has had its day or, like, week or month or year um, before before the traditional markets did, and yeah. Uh, yeah. now it's got to settle down. I don't think I've ever
0: seen a chart that looks more like a crypto chart than the oil chart. <laughs> like it, it looks like it's like the dev died or it, you know, it got, <laughs> DeFi protocol got hacked. Uh, oil went to the negative numbers on on some contracts, and now it's back at seventy five. You know why not? Um, I never never would have thought that oil would do something like that but it seems like every market has pushed to this uh extreme right where like if, if you feel like the inevitability is in a certain destination it just does it really really quick you know like it just gets it over with the covid crash and and many of the down moves that we've seen just seem to happen so fast whether it's in crypto or legacy the elevator down concept it seems uh alive and well
3: yeah it's kind of mental to me that we're seeing like this amount of kind of recovery and not even recovery even more than that right like stuff is just straight up mooning it's insane how high some some traditional markets went and are still going right and it's so hard to kind of see like for me as a as a normal guy that has nothing to do with those markets right it's like you look at that and you're you're starting to consider is this a bubble? Like are we in an everything bubble? How is this gonna play out? But at the end of the day, if you're not not trading these markets professionally, it's really hard to call tops on these things. Because if there's one thing that I've learned in crypto is that when stuff goes crazy, it can go much, much crazier. And I wouldn't wanna fade that. So if anything, like these traditional markets start kind of heading down and i'm not saying they will but if they do like i'd much rather be a buyer than try to fade up or hit the top because uh, most people are just gonna get wrecked trying and uh, i'm not gonna be one of them you say that i'm short the nasdaq right now (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) should
0: have had this conversation earlier today don come on um (laughs) Although I completely agree with you. Like I'd be willing to give it up pretty quickly, you know, like it's not like I'm dying on that vine. I've done that before. Like where I'm just like, Oh yeah, I'm so convicted that it's going down it's going down forever and it's game over. We deserve a bear market. It's a great way to lose money. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I would like to ask, um, from your, uh, podcast with Craig and Donald on technical roundup, um, I was shout listening out. to it before <laughs> shout out, yep, um I was listening to it before, and thought super interesting topic because you guys were talking about the flippening and whether it's dangerous or um good like beneficial in the long term um and I was sitting there thinking, like and just to put my own thought on it, like um, obviously Bitcoin King, like when that's a sacred jewel, all is healthy in the market. But a lot of people, like at least the guys that I grew up with in the up only chat, um, when they think about Ethereum, like the potential for it is so big that it seems like if everything goes perfectly in crypto, eventually, you know, it will happen. Like that'll be a healthy thing. Um, or at least Ethereum, like some one of the network uh, L1s. But I'd like to hear like why potentially it would be dangerous. Like if it just discredits the whole thing, then Elon pumps Doge because it opened the door for it um, <laughs> or just get your thoughts on that.
0: Uh, maybe before I give my input on it, Don or Cred, do y'all agree with that basically that the flippening could be dangerous for markets broadly?
3: Cred, uh, do you want to answer it? Or should go I? on, you go first. Okay. So like the reason I think it's, it's dangerous and the reason why, is because I mean, you can basically make an infinite amount of altcoins, right? And I mean, I know that sounds shitty, and I mean, it's Eve, and we we all like Eve. But at the end of the day, right? And a competitor comes around to Eve, like let's say Eve flips flipping Bitcoin, right? Goes up, settles at like what like one point five times the market cap of Bitcoin or something, and then like a year later, you get like another coin that does something better than Eve does. And it starts getting a community, it starts going up, and it starts flipping eve, right? And then you have the situation where nothing's sacred anymore. You kind of buy into like crypto. And if you if you pick even if you pick right, at some point your crypto is probably gonna get overtaken too, right? And I mean that's just like how emerging tech works, I guess. It's just, I find it pretty, pretty dangerous in the fact that like, how do you invest in something like that long-term if you know that in the next half a year or something, a coin could come out and just overtake yours. And then that keeps on happening because then it's, then you have like the situation where we're all kind of rooting for this. Okay. We have no inflation in crypto because we just have this amount of coins And that's it. But then you kind of get this situation where we have inflation, right? It's just with every single new altcoin that comes around, you kind of inflate the entire ecosystem. And then it flips and flips and flips. And it's pretty damn hard for me to make a case for it to just like be healthy in the long run. But I mean, it's not my specialty. But for me, as like just as an investor, that would be problematic. I wouldn't want to be investing in something where I know that, like, if I'm not completely there and not looking at it every day, I could just be out flippant the next week or month or year. Um, Flipping,
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> so that's kind of my view on it. What do you think, Red?
2: Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I don't really have st- strong or particularly well well researched views. I think on a on a surface level, something. I'm kind of considering the counterfactual, like what would need to maybe happen to Bitcoin in order for it to get flippant, right? Like what mechanisms would need to be in place for another layer one, like a layer one or whatever altcoin to grow and Bitcoin not to grow such that to facilitate a flippening and whatever set of circumstances you have to kind of conjure to arrive at that destination. They all seem pretty rough or unpleasant. And I, I think it's still a bit early to, create an ecosystem where where Bitcoin just does poorly or kind of bad things happen to facilitate the flippening, which I think would, all, would almost need to be inevitable to arrive at that spot. Um, so I don't have like a specific objection. I just think a world in which crypto goes up and something flippens Bitcoin, um, some pretty gnarly stuff has to happen to Bitcoin in order for those circumstances to come about. And I'm not sure if those factors are like a net, would be a net positive. I know that's a bit of a, swirly answer it's kind of the best i can do
0: well it's not i I think it's complicated because it's just a bunch of game theory right um i think that to summarize a little bit of what i said on technical roundup was um that it, it seems to me that bitcoin has the primary network effects in terms of the broad like the world understanding what crypto is, they primarily think about Bitcoin and they have an understanding. There are other coins, like they know Elon Musk, Shill's Dogecoin. They don't know why. They don't understand Dogecoin. Um, and I think the understanding gets even less when you get to Ethereum and then certainly beyond that. And um, I think it puts into question the network effects of Bitcoin if Ethereum flippins it. And I think the, the, the broad rationale might be what like is crypto dead you know like what is that you know because you see news headlines like the the market cap of uh ethereum has surpassed that of bitcoin and now bitcoin is dead uh or like you know what they do is they tie the proof of work and like destroying the environment stuff to the flipping and be like uh eth 2.0 you know drives uh ethereum to um you know, surpass the market cap of Bitcoin, uh which is boiling the Earth's lakes or like of <laughs> <laughs> those of New York State.
1: Making pipes burst.
0: Yeah, and I think that the uh the PR issues with proof of work in Bitcoin are pretty bad. Um and there's not enough people kind of combating uh in advocating why proof of work is energy well spent and then also um advocating for um the green energy usage or, like, excess energy usage and all that kind of stuff and essentially making the case for proof of work, which I think is the biggest risk for Bitcoin being flipped, even more than, like, Ethereum doing good is, like, Bitcoin kind of dropping the ball, right? Um, I think the case where Ethereum does well enough to potentially flip in, it's, like, 1559, supply-burning stuff goes really well, you know, and then you can start applying, like, tech company type growth metrics to it, like daily active users and transactions and wallets and DeFi adoption and game adoption and all this stuff. And it's like, and it's deflationary, you know, <laughs> like it's the best of every world. Oh my gosh, straight to point two. um and, and flipping Bitcoin. And in that scenario, like if Bitcoin gets itself under control from a narrative perspective, which is the most important component of all of this, the network effects, then maybe the flipping would be short-lived if the flipping is like longer lived i think um bitcoin's in big trouble and it probably could drag down the market more broadly for the same reasons actually that don said just that like then friggin ripple would flip in eth just because <laughs> like, cause it's, yeah. the, it's the worst possible outcome so why not make it occur yeah, if it's like a longer term thing, it just feels like a lot of what
2: we hold kind of sacred, which is a terrible word to use in investing, but maybe <laughs> principles yeah. of the crypto space, which we think are important, like network effects, the Lindy effect, if you will, store of value, proof of work. I think all of those come out looking worse yeah, if all of right. this energy and development and you know sanctity invested into Bitcoin, if that comes out to mean nothing or it falls short of its um, you know first or primary spot it kind of it's hard to move from there I feel like like that stuff is important and it keeps its importance if Bitcoin stays on top
0: I think yeah right now like the Lindy effects are a feature and if it you know
3: gets flipping then what is it a bug you know (laughs) I don't know yeah, I, in in general, like one argument I see people make over and over again is like just compare like these coins to companies, but they're very clearly not, in my opinion. Like all of this is open source, right? So if you like just sitting there being like, okay, um, if Bitcoin gets flippant, right, it's just gonna be like the, the second or third or fourth coin. Um, but if it gets flippant long term, I think Bitcoin is headed to zero afterwards, right? Because like or like very close to it because if you're not in the camp that okay Bitcoin's gonna be around and be this leader then i mean if if it's not the best store of value if it's not like doing what it's supposed to do um which is kind of leading the space i think why would i be holding bitcoin right and i think that's gonna you can just make a better bitcoin at that point just do something else Z-Cash, with it and
0: zcash switches to proof of stake <laughs> um it has inherent privacy and zuko becomes our cryptocurrency overlord
3: <laughs> yeah but i mean like i i have like massive <laughs> troubles with all of it so i mean but i'm not the pe- best person to ask because like as long like the longer i am in this space the more kind of into the maxi camp camp i kind of move it's not like i'm saying okay um all the old coins are shit i'm just saying like I would be surprised if if they're if they're taking the the majority of the market away like i think if as long as you're having bitcoin at the top of it all um, we're all gonna be kind of feeling secure everyone that's been in the market is gonna feel secure um maybe in like five years that changes maybe eve or like any other coin just gets so strong and such a big network network effect that we all kind of feel secure with it just being the next leader but I I don't think we're even close to that. Right now, I think, like, most people would just completely panic if it if it got flippant.
0: I think it'd be really interesting, like, if Ethereum um, was so broadly used, like, an app went mainstream that had Ethereum in it somehow, and, like, people actually realized that. So the next Venmo or, like, you know, your average Joe is earning 7 8% yield farming on their phone, and they've got a digital bank account that's built on DeFi. Um, so somebody does, like uber or lyft level adoption of like a new tech that disrupts the old tech and all of a sudden it's like yeah we know what it is because we use it it's clearly better and why would i take a taxi um that could make it to where some ethereum flippins bitcoin if bitcoin doesn't have those same type of things and isn't in this like mainstream app and it and crypto doesn't like get brutally wrecked along the way the, that seems like a pretty optimistic case. I don't know. What do you all think? It could
2: about? be a trap, right? Because like, <laughs> like many things, if you get like an Uber on Ethereum, for example, I think for most people using it, if it's as successful as it is in that example, uh, the, the real network effects will accrue around the actual app. More yeah. so than the underlying protocol, I think it's asking quite a lot of people, uh, like just like the you know similar analogy with the internet, imperfect as it may be uh, it 's pretty hard to get people to recognize the the moving parts underneath the surface or the governing protocols or whatever that they may be. I feel like in that case, you get like a mega adopted DAP uh, it 'll be kind of the DAP that enjoys the benefits of those network effects more so than the underlying um, protocol or well, maybe i'm just bearish humanity in that case
0: <laughs> i think that's actually a good point and it'll probably be done by some company that we don't like doing it <laughs> yeah uh, it's all libra uh, <laughs> dm libra and- yeah libra and
2: dm
3: or whatever there's facebook coins yeah uh, but i think like in general like if if we get like a movement like that in the next like 5 or 10 years, I I think I'd be down with it. It's just like this stuff needs time, I think. Like you would need to have a competitor that shows up or is already showing up that kind of shows that it's around for the long haul and then it'd be a little bit different. Like I'm not saying like Bitcoin's never gonna be never gonna be like Upset. It's never gonna be um, on second or third space. I just think like right now the market is way too immature for it, and um, maybe that changes and I'll change my mind.
0: Do y'all have any other uh, thoughts on like what would impact things? You talked, uh, Don. I think you talked a little bit earlier about how like this China news seems to be less impactful um, just because we're stuck in this range. But then if like one tends to break it through that causes big problems what's going to reverse course in your mind like is this going to be one of those things where it's just a season of china fud and then it kind of draws away and then everything's better hash rate comes back somewhere else and it's temporary or do you think some of these fundamental narratives against bitcoin can last much longer than we historically have uh, seen
3: i think this is going to be like one, I think it's temporary, but two, I think it's much more serious than what we've had before. So it's kinda like a mixture of both both. I think the the kind of most logical way for this to end is kind of that the fud gets like so extreme that like panic breaks out. I don't know if that's gonna be like in, in the in the Chinese kind of space in general, because as far as I know, like there's a bunch of people still holding there. Um or if that's going to be like in the West, like just kind of reacting to the news. But in general, whenever I've seen these kind of flood storms, like they usually end with capitulation at some point, people get wrecked. Um, or like people just continuously short the range low and we get massive OI and then we actually do get a squeeze, but I, I'm just not seeing it right now. But in general, like I think the, the, the way this kind of results is that, like the FUD gets more and more intense. Um, people start freaking out and then people get wrecked and then it goes up again. That's kind of like my view on this whole thing. I don't think like China is gonna reverse course, like it's done like over and over again. This time seems to me at least to be for real. So we're gonna have to deal with that for the next and month the or two.
0: reading the chat. I can tell. I can tell he's reading the chat. He's gonna lose <laughs> it. You can't you can't read the chat. Uh, <laughs> uh Kret, do you have any any other like fundamental things on your mind or just on your mind in general before uh the CMS intern leads us in the call for alpha?
2: I'll wait for that one, yeah. Um yeah, in terms of fundamental stuff, I think the decentralization of hash rate is kind of medium to long-term bullish. It's one. It was one of the more compelling counter-arguments against the decentralization of Bitcoin. People just focused on how centralized mining is. Yeah. Um, and also there was an argument that a lot of the um, energy sources used for mining in certain parts of China were particularly not friendly to the environment. Uh, and that seems to have been mitigated to a large extent as well. And generally speaking, a, a mining... Uh, transition from East to West, I think is generally positive. So all of that stuff is good, even if it may not be reflected in price um, right now, it'll just mean that future narratives don't have to deal with that headwind uh, and those arguments, uh, just like we did this time around Um, in terms of chart, whatever technical stuff. Yeah. I kind of expressed the view that I think, you know, we're still between 30 to 32 under us. Thirty-eight and forty above us, thirty-five, kind of a midpoint line in the sand. Uh, to me, it's just very much the case that the range is far less attractive to trade than it was earlier on, and unfortunately, it's just been getting less and less attractive to trade. um That said, you know volatility has been falling off, so you know the good old crypto Twitter volatility incoming or big move soon, whatever you know you can deal with those yourselves. Um, my you can't kind of mess directly on this. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know. My message would be like, don't be caught with your pants down either way. There's nothing worse than missing an opportunity because you were spending that time managing a worse opportunity, right? So like when that whatever it looks like, up, down, big break, breakout, whatever, you want to be able to focus and position appropriately when it matters, as opposed to managing a crappy position you took in the middle of nowhere uh, that doesn't allow you to focus when it really matters. Uh, for me personally, I know that requires for me to be in cash and get ready to, to punt a bunch of spot. Uh, for you, it may mean something else. Uh, but put yourself in a position of strength. And, you
0: know, that that certainly
2: is where my
0: focus is at. Man, since the first time you told me like talked about the position of strength concept. Like it just has really hit home for me um, to where like, I feel like I'm not, if I'm not in a position of strength that I need to get somewhere where I can be in one, whether that's like spot BTC spot ETH. And I like look for the derivative component of that, you know, like I'm willing to take that draw down if it goes down, but I can find reflexivity in DeFi, or if it's being in cash and trying to like say, okay, well I can make a move when it hits a level where it tells me to do so. All right, CMS intern, I send you a challenge, sir. At the end of every show, Kobe does a call for alpha. I would like you to lead the call for alpha from our guests.
1: Of course. Um, so, yeah, in, uh, in Kobe's honor, we'll draw it out a little bit uh, to give you guys <laughs> some time to think about what you're going to say. But the final alpha... Um, something that can make the people in the chat, you know, healthier, wealthier, or wiser, um, something that they can maybe take. Maybe you picked it up from a mentor over the years or you made it up or you saw it on Twitter yesterday, whatever it may be, um, something that can help them make it because right now and after that TA, uh, it might be a little tough to make it. So any type of nugget you guys got, um, cred or alt, maybe cred if you want to lead it off and then we'll go to don after well
0: done sir. well done that was was good perfect good
2: i feel inspired (laughs) um sure uh i'll try to be original because i've talked about the position of strength type of thing on several occasions Uh, i touched on this earlier but as tom dante said once uh, confirmation is for christians right whether it comes to (laughs) trading or investing i think that's a very pertinent point if you wait for confirmation you have to be right. Like you just have to be right or you'll lose money, right? Whereas if you're buying at the extremes or where confirmation is minimal, you can be wrong or less right and still make money or maybe lose less. Like you just really skew the odds in your favor. Like by definition, the maximum risk reward opportunities are those with like close to zero confirmation, right? Uh, And I think a lot of people are just too scared to take that leap, whether in trading, investing, whatever it may be. Um, But There's a certain premium that you inherently pay if you wait for the stars to align on the trade, on investment thesis. um, You know, there's always a price to pay. It's not like you can have your cake and eat it. So if you've always been late to opportunities or waiting unnecessarily for something, uh, at least give yourself a chance to to be early and execute with conviction as opposed to waiting for a million indicators and a million people to tell you that it's finally the right idea. Because at that point, it's probably the top anyway.
0: So as an example of this, because this is another thing I've stolen from you trying to implement at times, is that like if a daily candle close would confirm your your decision to enter a trade, that you could look intraday when it feels the most wrong from that thesis to enter and then close if it actually doesn't trigger? Or is that a… Yeah,
2: that's not a bad version. It's, it's the basic idea of doing business at the extremes, right? So you see this a lot. Like you make up with a level, you make up, a, take a think of a level like 30K, for example. And then when the market's trading at 35, someone will say, oh, I think 30K is a really good level. And they have, for some reason, they've got conviction that that's good for a bounce or to execute a short-term strategy whatever. And then you watch them trade. What they'll do is they'll be watching that level on some sort of time frame. The market will come into it and then they do nothing. And the market will dip a bit below it And they do nothing. And only after like the massive dildo and like 5% up and all kinds of oversold moving average crossover, candlestick cheat sheet confirmation, negative funding, max pain, max fear, whatever type of bullshit. Once everything lines up, only then they buy the level like after a 10% move from it. Uh, Whereas if you're trading at the extremes or optimizing your risk reward at that level, um, you're buying it when it looks like shit and there's a really good chance that if your initial thesis is correct that that's a good level to buy um when it looks the worst that's most likely where it's going to be some sort of wick or low and that area just you know positioning at the extremes generally gives you more breathing room more flexibility Uh, And it's, again, it's ironically or unironically a position of strength at that point where you're not buying the top of a rally, hoping that the low holds, but you're actually buying the low and giving price some time to develop. So, yeah, that's a really good example. This is
0: like the non-meme version of saying, just put your order where your liquidation would have been. For sure. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like I always say the most basic heuristic (laughs) is that you pick a level
2: or an area where you really want to buy. And then you look on a lower time frame and buy it when it looks like it's about to roll over or it looks as shit as it possibly could. Uh, most of the time, that'll come out to being a pretty decent entry. And more often than not, even if it's not like the best entry or even if your idea is incorrect, because you're so well positioned in terms of your entry, even if the idea is wrong, you can usually get out like at break even or at a slight win and you, you have that tailwind of entering at the extreme to allow you to manage the position um more effectively as opposed to waiting for like a million confirmation signals and most of the time people don't bother developing systems which tell them what confirmation actually is so it ends up being a purely emotional decision anyway so i I just don't think in general uh, you got to embrace the uncertainty you know embrace the chaos i love it don
3: what you got um I I love what Tred said. It's something I employ a lot as well. When you see like price crash into a level or even below it, because like sometimes you actually like get the better opportunities below the level that you're looking at. Um, Because I mean, that's where basically everyone that bought the level is getting fucked and you can actually buy their kind of panic and um, take it back into that level and maybe top it off even again. Um, Something I look at too. In general, like something that I want to talk about real quick is how people look at mistakes in this space, because something I see a lot um, in discords and everywhere. Um, When I see people that talk about, okay, I only got liquidated because I was working a job, or I, I only got like fucked because I wasn't looking or was tired, or like because Elon Musk tweeted, right? Whenever you're making these excuses to yourself what you're taking away from yourself is the opportunity to learn the opportunity to kind of grow because i mean making mistakes isn't really something you, sh- you should be ashamed of right there's no reason to kind of hide from your mistakes the only thing that you should be ashamed of is if you're doing exactly that right if you kind of saying okay this is not my fault because then you're never gonna get better right and there's something i see people like a lot of people do like mistakes over and over and over again and the only reason why they do it is because they never accept that it's a mistake on their part but they see it as like a cosmic injustice so like if you're in the trading business right the one thing that you have to learn is kind of be able to say, okay, I this up. How can I do it better next time? Because if you can't, I mean, that's like the one quality I would say every trader has to have. If you don't have that, you don't even have to kind of look into it because, I mean, you're just going to lose it all. Because we all started out shitty, right? Everyone here, everyone like that's trading started as a shitty trader. It's just how it works, right? And the same thing is true for investors and almost everything in life, really. Um, so you kind of have to... Kind of be the bigger man, step up to your mistakes, take them and then learn from them. If you can do that in a systemic way, you're going to outperform almost everyone because most people, even if they can kind of admit that they've made a mistake, they're not going to sit down and kind of analyze it. But if you can do that, like that's the best thing that you can do your, for yourself in almost any kind of space of life um so i would encourage everyone of you guys to just sit down look at what you're doing wrong be that in trading be that like in your relationships be that anywhere because really like that's the best way to learn from anything good stuff man
0: all right intern i got one throw on you what's one thing you've learned either in your internship or in your first uh weeks of full-time employment at cms holdings um is that kind of like a final alpha or yeah, has to be from this last week? Yeah, you a final alpha if you want.
1: Um, or I would say, first off, Flipmetrics. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. <laughs> Fantastic company. They hooked, they
1: hooked it up. Um nice. and, and or the Daily Ape on Telegram. Great place to get alpha.
0: Is um, the Daily Ape like a uh, a trading group or a...
1: Uh... Uh, Darren Lau runs it. He was uh, on top of all of the DeFi summer last year. Nice. Um, but I don't know. They, they got great info in there. Um, And then I would say one thing that's like resonates a lot with other people in crypto, like they understand um, asymmetric upside. They're like, Oh, well this coin's nothing, but you know, I can only lose one X, but I can make a hundred X. And it kind of like, if you're in crypto, you have a good understanding of what asymmetric upside means. Um, And I would say, just look for domains outside of just investing in crypto where you can get that same type of stuff. Um, I don't know, like, like reading a book or something, maybe worst case you waste four hours, best case, you know, it changes your life. And now you know something that, um, you know, you keep with you forever. Um, Probably also resonates with the chat a lot. Like if you ask someone on a first date, waste one night, or maybe you meet someone special, but you could just like look for stuff what outside of just the investment here, sir. <laughs> yeah,
2: I just <laughs> with fall your, in love <laughs> with your wife. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You put the NFT in the other chair. Um, <laughs> <but> I, <laughs> I think like just finding something outside of your usual investment domain, like you can find other asymmetric stuff and um, that's been pretty good. So excellent. I, that's what I got.
0: I love it. I appreciate it. Thanks everybody for joining us. Crypto Don on Twitter, Crypto Cred on Twitter, CMS Intern on Twitter. We'll put all the links to the websites and newsletters and the podcasts in the show notes. Go to uponly.tv to check them. Go to uponly.tv/blockfolio. Make your first trade on Blockfolio today if you hadn't done it before. Thanks to Blockfolio for being our partners. You can track everything that you do there. Once again, uponly.tv slash Blockfolio. Seriously, if you've never done it, you need to do it. Make a trade, put money into your bank, or take it out of your bank and buy the dip when the you can do so from a position of strength. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.